episode 14 of the four lifters by lifters podcast we have a vip gym owner brian reed with us brian's a, a longtime friend of ours i uh, actually trained at his gym in 2007 no was it i was later than that yeah. okay Maybe 2010 yeah okay. it was before i was training for nationals i needed someone to train when i came home yeah so it was like 2011 2012 so um you know i feel like you're the the eastern extension of Westside Barbell. Uh, you know, I know a lot of gym, gyms kind of claim that, but uh, yeah, you know, you're Westside certified. Yeah, yeah, I got Westside certified like back in uh, 2010, I think, or something like that. Okay. And um, yeah, I mean, you know, all Westside's educational stuff that you you get from it um, is real beneficial. But so I think all of us, though, once we get that type of education. Um, it's up to us to kind of figure out what we want to do with it. And um, so, yeah, it's extension of Westside, but it's never Westside, you know? Right. Because Westside, I don't know what they're doing there. And True. You know. Yeah. So uh, so back in, in college, you did, what, what was it, D1 track? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I was a decathlete at Temple. Okay. Um, yeah. So you did that, and then after college, I mean, you kind of went right into personal training, right? Um, well... <laughs> Being a D1 athlete, you're not supposed to uh, work, <laughs> but I was working on the side as a trainer and because I didn't want to be stuck uh, in last place, so to speak, once I got out of college. So yeah. I started working as a trainer when I was like 19 years old. Um, and then uh, so I already had that that established. Yeah. Yeah. So I I'm, so I knew you in 2010, 2011. When did you start the gym? Um I started the gym in 2007 is when I signed the lease over in uh, Yardley. Okay. And back then you were mostly personal training. You were doing some like athletes and stuff, right? Yeah. Yeah. Like, um, I was mostly personal training and I was going to people's homes and such. Uh, you know, I always got business through word of mouth. And then, uh, I met, I met some really good athletes from Egan. Um, and they saw how I, how I was training at the gym. And they're like, man, I can't do that. And I'm 240 pounds. I was probably about a buck 85 back in the day. But my form and stuff on the clean and jerk and all that was good. Um, so I recruited, uh, you know, a, a class of people that that wanted to train with me. I think the one the one kid ended up bec becoming a all American in football next year in college at Bloomsburg. Okay. Yeah. So what what put you into like powerlifting competing? Like, how did that go from, you know, being a track athlete to powerlifting? Okay. Yeah, that's great. Um, so, basically, I, I always loved the weight room. Um, I really wanted to go into the Marines and all that. And then uh, my coach is like, dude, come on, man. You can go to college. Like, why, why would you, like, not want to do this? So, I, when I once I got to college, I basically just went for track. I, I found out I could get a degree based around lifting. So that's kinesiology. It's the study of human movement. So I took, did all the coursework um, uh, there. So through all that coursework there at Temple, I, I met this great professor that I had. Um, he was a UPenn's strength coach, uh, Bob Wagner, I think his name was. I still remember his name because it leaves an imprint. But he, um, he was like a good guy, and he was like a world record holder in the in the squat in the 181s at like 777. He's he was lifting over in Ukraine. So I was like, man, I was, you know, I'm coming to the end of my track career. I, I know I could still run, but I was like, maybe I want to do something else. So I really, um, I started looking into powerlifting, but I, I was always good in the weight room. I always liked doing it. Most of our training was based in RDLs uh, and Olympic lifting. But once um, I figured out how to deadlift, the first time I deadlift, I deadlifted like 585 and everyone was like, Dude, like that's that's really good. Like I've never deadlifted before. Yeah. They're like they're like, yeah, dude, uh, you should you should try this out, you know. So, so I did a meet and like I, I totaled something terrible, like, but I still I still won because it was like a 198 or 181 division. It might have been 181. At, like I think I totaled 1275 or something and pulled like 585. And people are like, dude, dude, that's really good. I'm like, is it really like, <laughs> you know? But we all start somewhere. So th that's yeah. kind of like how I how I got into it. Like all I needed was. Uh, someone just to say like hey man that's pretty good i'm like okay i'll try it out you know so after i mean your first powerlifting meet you probably didn't peak you probably didn't have like a program or anything really right like you just kind of went into it um 
Well, luckily, like I, I did have some basis of training because I just went through college and I had to program for my internship. I programmed a lot of sports teams at, at school. Okay. Um, so, you know, I already, I already had that program and base behind it. Uh, even back then I was using, I was using Westside's methods back then. I understood a lot of it. Okay. Um, I knew that the Western periodization style training that we get fed over here was not the key. Like, so, and you know, being in explosive sports, uh, like track, you know, that, that speed element was, was really important to my training. Um, so yeah, I've been doing that for, yeah, I've been, I've been doing Westside stuff since the early two thousands. So that's one thing that, um, when I started training that I remember seeing Louis say, or, and in articles is like speed is strength, strength is speed. And is that what kind of attracted you to that training modality? Yeah. It took me, it makes total sense. Like speed's part of the equation. If you're not, if you're not training the speed aspect, your, your weights are going to stuck. And because the, the muscles aren't training to be elastic either, they're going to, they're going to start tearing when you start doing max lifts all the time. So it's, it's a, it's a, it's a way of preparedness too. Yeah. I feel like to, to compound on that, I feel like, um, when you have the DE and ME days or an RE day implemented in there, uh, I feel like it can prolong your career a little bit too. Oh, for sure. For sure. And and everyone programs their ways differently. I don't know how Westside does it, but, uh, you know, you know, luckily I I met Hoff through you. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I, I was working with Hoff for years, uh, about this and, you know, he's, he's really intelligent about, about longevity. The dude can really, really put it together. So he, he had taught me how to spread it out a little bit, uh, stretch out the West. I'm not giving up too information, right. but stretch out the West side. It'll be like, we only do like a super max, like every fourth or fifth week. And it's all speed work leading up, le- leading up to that. Well, I think when, when Donnie totaled 3000, he was what? 42, 46, 46. Yeah. Yeah, so I mean, it, we're all trying to do it like in our twenties, right? Sure, sure. And we all break ourselves. I mean, you've had how many injuries? Yeah, I've had a lot, but you know, I always thought it was—I never thought it was because of my training. And I just found out what the, the issue is I have fucking celiac disease. Oh. <laughs> so I went <laughs> going my whole life with this. Yeah. And then I go to the doctors, and I get two elbow surgeries, major surgeries. Like I got the OK procedure. Can you extend done. it? No, no. I'm I'm basically if I wanted to go file for being handicapped, I could. That's <laughs> <laughs> true. And then uh, I just went to the doctor and he said I I need two knees and two hips. So it's, it wasn't from the training and lifting. It's like I got cut short because I I was put put forth this test in my life, and it was I never even realized it until like I did a genetic test and like dude you got celiac disease and then I started researching it. And it's all saying like, oh, joint deterioration, organ failures, blah, blah, blah. So, yeah. yeah. So ever since then, I'm a lot better now. I can, I couldn't even walk, man. And I, now I'm, now I'm hiking and stuff. That's why I'm so skinny. I used to be 280. <laughs> I'm 215 right now. What, what did you do to, to change that? And um, reduce inflammation? Redu- yeah. I, well, I focus on inflammation and then I also met Kepco through you. Yeah. So I go to Kepco every six months and I make sure that blood work is, is legit like I, I focus on all the numbers on there and I really had to fine-tune the nutrition I really had to get rid of I got rid of dairy gluten and no sugar and I love it because all the food I get is quality and it's like enjoyable yeah you don't have the crazy cravings when you eat you know nutritious food yeah no because it, it's so good I want more of that why would I want to go eat McDonald's man you know when I could get a Piedmontese steak I <laughs> <laughs> uh, all right so we kind of derailed a little bit, but actually, you know, there was one thing I want to talk about. What, what year was it when you tore that bicep? Okay. I think it was in 2014, 14. Yeah. It was at Nirvana, right? Yeah. 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 It was like, uh, maybe like seven twenty on the bar, seven thirty or something, something, something like that. And yeah, the whole deal was there was deadlift bars in the warm up room. And I was like, Oh, these bars feel great. That's awesome. My hook grips are holding cause I was hook gripping. And, uh, I was like, this is going to be a great day. I go out there, hit my opener, something easy, like a 625. And uh, I was like, damn, my left hand was slipping. And I looked at the bar. It was gnarling in the middle of the bar. I was like, this is not even a deadlift bar, you know? Yeah. And so I'm like, this is not good. So then I go 675 instead of going right to 700 on my second attempt. I miss it. 
and I was like, it slipped down my hand. I was like, man, that's such a lightweight. Like, I repped this for whatever. And then um, I was like, all right, screw it. I'm just going to turn my hand under. So that type of weight, I go and do the lift, but I tear my bicep off because I, I switched at such an immense weight. But I blame the bars, man. You Dude, know? I, I was there. I yeah. saw that. And yeah. I must have watched the video like 30 times. Mm -hmm. So everybody's cheering. They're super loud. You lock out the lift. And then the bar drops like four or five inches mm -hmm. and everybody just goes like silent. Ooh, because you didn't know that you tore your bicep at that time, yeah. but the bar drops, yeah, but I you're still, still holding on to it. I'm like, yeah. I'm not, I knew the bicep was going to tear off and my arm was going to give like a rag doll. Uh, <laughs> but I was like, my grip, I'm not letting go of this bar because I've already done this shit. Like, so I'm like, I'm like, I better get credit. And I see him. He's like, okay, down. Like he gave me credit. And so I walk off. You know? It was nasty yeah. to watch, though. I mean, every nobody know how to react to that. Yeah, I, I don't wish that on anyone, man. Like after all the stuff I've been through physically, well, like, I mean, you're still not okay yeah. from it, right? That I mean, that's still from that tear, right? Yeah, I mean, well, my elbow deterioration is because of celiacs and a high iron in my body. Okay. So uh, I don't have any cartilage hardly anywhere, but um, yeah, I guess you know that didn't help either, and once. That's when I started going to Kepco, getting my blood work done. He's like, dude, he's like, that bicep went up, torn off if your vitamin D levels were up. You know? So that's all the stuff I do now, man. I really I really focus on all that all that stuff. I mean, Stan's really brought that to light in the performance mm -hmm. world, too. It's just like getting blood work done and, and, you know, making sure you know what you're looking at and how to address it. Oh, for sure. He, he's done a good job that's, with that. That's the key. Like, people are doing all this stuff aimlessly, and the answers are right in front of you with these basic tests. Go do the genetic test. Go go get the blood work done. Even go check out a food sensitivity test, you know? Because I know people that are vegan and like, oh, man, my stomach's bothering me. Like, and they go get a food sensitive. They're vegan and they're allergic to leafy greens, you know? Like, <laughs> you know, like well, there you go. You're like, yeah, you, yeah if you want to be vegan, you still can. But, like, you have to cut those leafy greens out of there. Yeah, yeah, you, you have to find other options. So everyone's different, yeah. So when you think of like conjugate training west side barbell you think of all that you know you watch the documentary which had an interesting feedback we had a lot of guys coming in they're like mm -hmm. i kind of hate those guys they're mm -hmm. they're dicks and then other guys mm -hmm. are like yeah you know i wish i trained there for a little bit yeah. you know so we get two different feedbacks yeah. um but why does that training go systematically with you know gear training you know it it seems like it goes systematically with gear training but it's actually better for the raw lifters um, it really is because, you know, we're not thinking about our health when we're competing. And when we're young, we think we fucking know it all. We don't know anything. Like, um, so you think raw lifters have, can have more success with conjugate training than, you know, standard, maybe rip yeah. style training? Yeah, definitely. Because, because it's going to give them the longevity that I was, I was getting into. So you want to have longevity in a sport. You want to put your health first. Don't put the sport first. Put your health first, and then the sport will come, you know. Um, so to keep keep yourself healthy, I think it's the best thing f for you. And every every person kind of does it differently. I can't say the way Louie does it or anyone else does it, but I have it set up for my lifters where they're never getting hurt. Yeah. They never get hurt. So it's like at the speed week. And then the next week goes into like a, a strength speed week, I call it, because it's a little heavier speed. And then week three is like a circa, which is a near max. Uh, so they'll be doing like 40% bands or something, 40% chains against weight to get them. And then I see what that load was. And I'll say, okay, you're in this range next week to hit an ME in your in straight weight. So they're only gonna, they're only gonna touch that max lift every fourth fourth week and I cut their volume down for their accessories and stuff. But I peak their uh, volume in their accessories on week three beforehand. And that, that way I don't have to put like a real deload. I don't put a real deload in there either because it take, taking too much of a deload, people don't need, don't yeah. really need it. It'll, it'll kind of reverse it just kinda, the progress. Yeah, so I, I literally do like a four-week mesocycle and then I see what I got out of that mesocycle. I'm like, all right, I want to change this, that, and the other thing to make – make this go up again so that's so and then every mesocycle well, i just tell my people five pounds like well i felt like i could have done 50 more i don't care dude it's it's about the longevity it's like a lifting maturity that we have to get into like just because you can do something doesn't doesn't mean you should that's that's something you gotta you're gonna have to feel out 
Well, yeah, five pounds over five years is a lot better than 10 pounds, you know, a, a month over two years. Yeah. Right. Oh, so definitely. the longevity of it's important. But I think the, the days of Instagram and social media influence, like we want it now. Oh, sure. And, uh, you know, we want to do it while we're young. So that way we can live the good, prosperous life of social media and having a bunch of followers and all that stuff. And I think, yeah. you know, uh, when we were younger, you know, Westside was or that style of training, Westside barbell, the, the aura of it, it was sexy. Like it was cool. And, and if we wanted to be hardcore, if you wanted to lift and have, you know, high intensity, you wanted an environment like that. Mm-hmm. But now, you know, 15 years later, it's kind of reverted and it's, it's the opposite, you know, and it's almost like, uh, you know, I don't know why those guys train that way. Yeah. Uh, it doesn't make sense to me. Like, I just want to do it this way. And, uh, you know, we've seen the USAPL continue to grow, um, you know, different, uh, raw, uh, training federations, but almost nobody, at least when, when I scroll through Instagram or, or when I talk to people in the gym, like almost nobody trains with bands and chains. You yeah. Know, if they do, they go to your gym. Yeah. They go to my gym. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, teach their own, but you know, I think some people in this, in this field are just, just stuck in a different genre and they're, they're not advancing themselves. You know, I, I mean, I, I use like a lot of the West side methods, but it's great information and it works. Yeah. You know, uh, you know, and I use Perlopin's table. I mean, it all makes sense because that's, that's what's optimal, but, you don't always have to stay within that realm either. Each person's going to be different. I think it's a good, Pryolipin Stable is a great starting point. Yeah. You know, I, I've never used that to calculate all of my numbers. I use that to start and I reference from sure. that number. You know, you're going to add a, either a rep or you're going to add five pounds, but you're not staying there. Yeah. You're only using it as a baseline. Yeah. Yeah. It provides parameters and, and that's what you want to do for people. Like when I program my clients, I provide a parameter for them. I'll say, okay, I want 300 reps on your triceps, pick two to three two to three exercises and but i want it done within a 10 to 50 rep range so i give it i give the client that freedom to to do what they feel like they need to do because because you know what my clients they're not they're not going to pick the easiest thing you know what i mean so i'm not going to make them do all this stuff like say if i selected skull crushers for them they might not want to do a skull crusher because their elbows hurt so they'll pick something that's going to be more beneficial to them like a a v-bar tricep cable push down you know, and they're so, still taxing the muscle, doing what right, they need to right, do. Right, because as long as we hit those parameters, no matter what we do in between, the endpoint's the same. Just kind of like how we are in the universe. <laughs> but do you think like the implementation of uh, variable resistance, like bands, chains, boxes, um, do you think that reduces muscle load and in turn would build less muscle? You know, it's it's funny um, because I think for individuals, it's it's different. Like, I remember Hoff writing this program for me, and uh, he had me doing, like, accessories were, like, three to four sets, eight to 12, and I was doing, like, uh, speed work, and then there, there was some, maybe, like, some vector squats in there, and uh, he's like, dude, you're going to put on, like, 15 pounds of this. I'm like, really, dude? Like, it, it doesn't seem like a lot of volume, but okay. But sure enough, I put on 25 pounds after, like, three months of doing it. So, I was like, so it's, it's just a, it's an interesting thing. Um, maybe my intestines were working for me then because I wasn't eating much gluten and I was absorbing food the way I was. And so there's a, there's a lot of there's a lot of uh, answers people have to to look for, and there's a lot of different little things to address to to get their gains where they where they need to get them. Like basically, you got to work on your your entire self. Yeah, I just think the like the sex appeal of of the conjugate training. I I just it stands in my head. Uh, there's a picture of all of them probably in like the mid 90s, mm-hmm. and uh, you know there's probably 10 or 15 of them standing outside with their shirt off. Actually, I think it was made into a meme saying like if you mess with my daughter, like I'm bringing these guys or something. Yeah, right. right. Do you know what picture I'm talking about? Yeah, that might. Yeah, that that was like. Well, he's got the glasses on, the mustache. Yeah, everyone and, was in there. Yeah, yeah, and uh, like you, they're all jacked. Every yeah. single one of them, oh, yeah. you know, traps to their ears, big chests, you know, they all have visible abs, but they look like performance athletes. Like yeah, you wouldn't want to run into that guy in an alley. Yeah. They might've eaten some gluten. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, <laughs> but how come the guys don't look like that anymore? And I, I think that's why people don't follow conjugate training. Well, I think, I think a lot of people, they, they, um, they use the sport to be an, as an excuse. I hate, I hate to say it. I don't want to speak for them either, but it almost looks like, they, they make excuses for being fat. Like, oh, you know, I want to be 300 pounds, but like, dude, you're not healthy, man. You know? 
So what Westside does is they hit that second workout, which is conditioning. So they hit that GPP. They'll they'll drag the sled for 30 minutes straight with 400 pounds on it. Yeah. You know, so that's that's why they had that look back then because they they put the effort in it. Um, you know, and that's how I program my people. They, I I program their whole daily routine from 5 a.m. till till they go to bed because it's it really is a daily a daily effort to get everything done and you should enjoy it. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, come to think of it, actually, uh, I, I, Malik yeah, trained Malik at Thirsty. your gym. Yeah, yeah, yeah. When he was there, yeah. uh, he, did he train conjugate? Yeah, yeah. Because he's uh-huh. one of the best one eighty ones of all time, right? Yeah, yeah. And he was a raw lifter. Yep. Yeah, I remember watching him train. I think he, he at one eighty one. I think he benched like four ninety five, and I think he did it for reps. Yeah, he's like, a, it yeah, was he's, crazy. Yeah, I remember spotting him on a couple of them, like five reps. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, dude. But crazy yeah, he's, strong. But he's one that, like, doesn't get enough notoriety. And yeah. then you'll have, like, a 181-er that'll bench 500 for one. Yeah. And, you know, he'll be all over Instagram. And, you know, yeah. he'll have a you know a different training method. And Well, I think yeah, it goes back to the Instagram thing. Like, me, I'm not even on Instagram. I, I, I took my social media pages down because it takes time away from me and my community I have at the gym. I, I want to put effort into them to help them get better. Yeah. Um, and I mean, you know, not to speak for Malik either, but he, you know, he's a guy, he doesn't brag on air. He doesn't put his big lifts up. He doesn't, he just, he just gets the, gets the business, man. and gets the job done. I, I like Malik. He's a good dude. Yeah. Yeah. One thing that always, uh, drew me to conjugate training, even like when I get back from training after taking a layoff, I always tend to, to box squat first before I start free squatting. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think it's easier on my hips. It's, it, it allows me to re gain control of the movement yes um but the the speed aspect of variable resistance whether it's an me day or a de day is just fun it is like you you have to accelerate so hard to stand up and it's yeah. fun like yeah. you're not just going up and down up and down and i do think that ultimately you know doing four or five for you know a set of 10 is probably going to build more muscle than you doing you know 300 with 100 pounds of, of band tension to a box mm-hmm. uh you know obviously because you, your body's controlling more of that weight for a longer period of time but it's just fun and yeah. i think if, if you were an athlete in high school if you're an athlete growing up i think you, you should try you know conjugate training oh dude i i got a client she's 80 years old she does conjugate tra- training you know and she competes she didn't do her first meet till she was 76 or something yeah you know so but that speed aspect we all have to train going forward all the way to the end of our days because once once we get older we start slowing down we don't want to slow down man you know like you want to you want you want to be able to react and and move quick yeah so I, I strictly use that speed for what it is. I don't I don't try to add reps to be like, oh, I got a gamer. No, I, I always just train that speed. And then accessories afterwards, that'll be all my bodybuilding. I'll go over on the leg press, and, and I'll do like a couple sets of high-volume 50s, and then I'll do some heavy 10s, and whatever I feel like that. I feel like my quads need that day or, or glutes. I'll go over, I'll do hat fields on the um, belt squat machine. I, put a, I welded a rack into my belt squat machine so I could hold on to the rack, and uh, I just get a lot of volume in that way. So... I really, I really bodybuild style, so to speak, with all my accessories. But I get I get my work done on the main lifts the way they're supposed to be. It's only meant for uh, speed and, and maximal strength. Are your, ex- assuming you were back in competition days, mm-hmm. are your accessory lifts always geared towards making your primary lift better, or is it geared towards building muscle? That's the the that answers both both of those areas. Yeah, it does both. Okay, it, you know. Um, you know, and it's going to be up to the individual to become in touch with themselves to see what they really want and truly need. Like they, they need to figure themselves out. They can't have some coach tell them like, you need this, you need this. I don't tell anyone what they need to do. I tell them what I like to do, and but I'll tell them what I think you, you could do mm-hmm. because this, this helped for me. That's the only way you can teach someone. Is by them actually learning what's best for their body? Yeah. they yeah. got to figure out who they are. They're not, you know, nothing's the same between any of us, you know, but – I'll tell you one thing, the way I set up on my squat, um, I, I make everyone do that because they're not going to be loose in the squat. And then when I go to meets, people people are like, wow, you, your lifters really held it together really well with good form and everything. Like, yeah, well, they all, they all do it the same, you know? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah, I feel like uh, if you're even doing a meet, you know, you really shouldn't be falling apart, right? You no. should be well-oiled machine at that point. Yeah, yeah, and it's it's – you know, you got to be in tune with everything in your life, though, unfortunately, because 
there's other factors in in life besides the programming. That's like the smallest aspect of it. But you got all these other other factors you got to deal with the environment that we live in. You got to deal with the crazy social factors that we have <laughs> and crazy girlfriends. Yeah, yeah, all that stuff, and um, that all puts a wear on our physical being too. So I try to help people uh, overall because that's how we're going to get there. And I've seen it with a lot of people I have, man. I've, I've had people come back from cancer, come back from stroke, divorce, death losses, like just every life thing that gets in your way and uh, gets in the way of your goals for lifting. But man, that's life. You just got to stay positive and, and just stay on that even track to keep going. Cause that's what you're meant to do. You're got, got to live in this body for a short time. That's it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's very true. So with, uh, I know that your gym has basically everything that's ever been created for powerlifting. Like when yeah. last time I went to your gym, I mean, you had every bar, you had a bunch of different deadlift bars. You have different Texas bars. You have different squat bars. Mm-hmm. Um, do you still have three monoliths in there? Yeah. Three, yeah, mono. three mo- which yeah. is crazy. You yeah. can't even find a gym with one and you have three. Yeah. Um, you know, you have all the machines, you have a bunch of elite FTS stuff. Mm-hmm. Do you think that, you know, we have the transformer bar now. We have the safety squat bar. We have the cambered bar. Uh, what else is out there? You have the the a Mars bar. Um, that's my new bar. addition. I like. I got duffalo bar, yeah. to bow bar. I like that. Um, all the all the strongman stuff too is cool too. Like I like training strongman. I got a lot of guys doing that. I got like every log you can think of. Well, I got three logs, but um, stuff. You know, farmers carries and hex bars with multiple grips and. <laughs> Do you think people get carried away with the variation within their program? So. Um, I think I think people do and can like I, even though I have all that stuff, my programming is is pretty basic because I, I want people to come once they finish a mesocycle, I want them to come back to that mesocycle in a sense. Maybe some variables will change, but they they also need to see why we're doing it and and how they're going to advance with that. Yeah. yeah. So like if people are changing the lift twenty times over twenty weeks, uh and they're really doing it aimlessly and they can't really come in touch with themselves to say, well, this is why I'm doing it. Like they can have a reason for that. Then sure. Tell me. And, it, and they come back to that straight bar lift. They're probably not going to hit it. Yeah. You know, well, it has to be measurable. Right. Yeah. So whatever you're doing, you have to be able to remeasure and see if you're progressing or not. Mm-hmm. Uh, when I trained conjugate I had like maybe six main variations, right? And mm-hmm. it would dwindle as you get closer to a meet, right? You mm-hmm. get closer to a straight bar, you know, more to your competition lift. Um, but that way it allowed me to say like, okay, I'm getting better here. I'm getting better here. You know, I'm not getting better here. How can we adjust that and train differently? Mm-hmm. Um, but when I see people train now, uh, it almost seems like they're never training the same thing. And if they are, you know, it's maybe three, a uh, three board to a camper bar, mm-hmm. you know, and then next time they do the camper bar, it's a two board mm-hmm. and then maybe a four. And the, you know, it's by too the time much they variation, get back, they haven't yeah. figured out in their own mind. Yeah. Yeah. Like me, I, I there's a value to everything. Like, so I hit my three board. Okay, it's 550 pounds. Um, then I come back the next mesocycle. Uh, all right, hitting three board again. All right, as long as I get into that 90 percentile where I'm, I'm reaching 90 percent of that max that I've hit, and I do it fairly easily, then I'm allowed to go for that five pounds. So then I'll go, okay, here's 555. I hit it. I, got, I gained five pounds on that lift, and I know based on the boards, it's, it's yeah, it's a three board that puts my full range raw mats probably to 485 like without lying to yourself right so i know that what that value is of, of that lift and how how it transforms to the to the to another lift for me but people have to see that for themselves i can't tell you because there's some people that'll go hit a three board and it's like they only got 400 pounds and then they go do a full range bench and it's 400 pounds I'm like damn <laughs> <laughs> you know? Yeah, there's about five inches in between that yeah. being the same. Yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> you, you definitely see that a lot. You see it a lot in meets, too. Sure. You know, guys are, are getting ready for meets and they're doing all this variable resistance, and maybe they're, 
you know, squat into a high box, squat into a low box. There's a lot of variation. And they think that because they squatted 500 pounds with 200 chains, that they'll be easily able to squat 700 pounds. Right. No, probably not. Yeah. So I always, uh, yeah, I always put my squat down a little low. So if that was, if that was 700 that I hit, then I would be sure to know that oh, I'm definitely hitting 650. I'll go for that on my second attempt. Second attempt, yeah, though. Yeah, you're not attempt. opening at 700 because right. you had a good gym. No lift. way. Yeah. No, I'll hit 600, 650, and then oh, wow, 650 was easy. Man, I, I can hit seven today. Then I'll go for it. So you've uh, you've been around for a while, right, with powerlifting? Yeah, I mean, uh, my first meet was in 2007, and that's when I so that's when I op- years, that's yeah. when I opened my gym. Uh, same time too yeah so and yeah, before was, that was the track career um which was fun but you i mean you did uh what was that w, w wmpf wmpf yeah they're uh, great yeah so you're over with them guys for a while yeah. uh you did some ipa some rps mm-hmm. um spf you doing spf meets i may have yeah mainly mainly apf apf um you know the way the apf has grown as, a, as an organization and bring back the WPO and all that stuff. Yeah. I really wanted to be a part of that. So my last meet I did, well, no, no, I did relentless. That's right. But my last major meet besides relentless was in 2017 and I was completely falling apart. My joints were just gone at that point. Um, I, I won nationals, APF nationals I did. And then I had the opportunity to go to the WMPO, WPO, and I just couldn't do it because that's how much of a mess I am. You're just broken. Yeah, and then my training partner at the time made it, so she had a better chance than I did. And she placed seventh as a 55 year old, so that was that was cool. Yeah, she's freaky strong. Yeah, I, <laughs> I think she would humble a lot of men in your uh, LA For sure, fitnesses. Man. Yeah, yeah. You should just bring her around one day. And yeah, just embarrass people. Um, but out of all the, the traveling you've done and different lifters that you've seen, who's the most impressive person you've ever seen? Lifting? Yeah. Oh, Hoff, by yeah. far. By, by, it's a long shot. It's a long shot. I hate, you know, people are going to hate me for it. But, like, people only know Hoff from what they see from a distance. Like, I, I, I know Hoff. You know, he's, he's, he's a good dude. He's, he's well-versed in everything. You know, he knows a lot of shit. And... Um, just to watch him lift, you know, when I went out to Westside to go train with him, um, to watch him lift was just ridiculous. And like, I remember this one time we we just come off those major meets, and um, we went to go train, and he he literally took two months off, and he he put up like 11:15 two board on the bench. You know what I mean? Like, it's just insane. Like, like no one's gonna do that. Yeah. You know, so no one can put them themselves in the same boat as him you know uh that's just that's who he is he would he was put here his message was to be a power lifter and whatever else that he has inside of him yeah i mean he's a tremendous squatter too right he has the all-time oh, world record yeah right and you know and anyone that wants to give a hard time about death dude i've <laughs> i've trained with the guy he gets right up parallel and does this dip he's like two inches deeper but he stays so upright in the squat and he's so compact, his form is so good that that it's like an illusion. But if you're standing next to him, you're just like, damn, you buried that. And then you got some critics saying, uh, oh, he looked high and blah, blah, blah. It's like, dude, that guy is quads are probably like 38 inches or something. I don't know. <laughs> you know? I, I think, uh, yeah, the, the Internet is probably the worst thing to happen to multiply because of that, right? If you have a, a camera angle from up here yeah. and you're coming down at the knee, mm-hmm anything's gonna look high sure i mean people hit ray williams with it all the time sure ray williams is 400 pounds like hoff so yeah yeah, it's gonna look high but his hip crease is way deeper than his quad height yeah Yeah. it's just you know they regulate ray still uh you know but all of his squats look the exact same um but all right so hoff bench what would you say 11 15 um 11 15 to a two board after a two-month layoff (laughs) but his all-time best is what 10 10 50 he you know what? It's so hard to keep track of anymore because he's, he's broken. Like he's three. broken three thousand so many times. He just told thirty-one oh five. Legit, dude. Like, like those judges are no freaking joke. You know, like yeah. yeah we go to this meets and every power lifter is guilty. Come on, we go to these meets and you know someone and they're just gonna be a little nicer to you. Okay, there's gimme meets everywhere, but this was done at the WPO. <laughs> All right. Yeah. Like it's no rinky dink. Like. It was on ESPN, I think, right? It was on ESPN, like, sure, you know, like. But how much, 
so let's just say he squatted or uh, benched ten fifty. Mm-hmm. What what does that mean to the raw community? See, they they want to try to quantify it like, oh, that's all in the shirt and all this, dude. Dude, you gotta put that in your hands, right? You you gotta be able to hold that weight over you. Are, are you kidding me? Like, you have to get a shirt that actually fits you right. You know, there's so many factors that go fit you right on that day. Rates on that day because yeah. if you're bloated from a a long nights of KFC, <laughs> you know, you you might not get in that shirt real easy. Yeah, I remember um, I hit my first over 500 pound bench with you and Evan mm-hmm. at your place and uh, we couldn't get the shirt on, on all the way but it worked it for that good day resistance. yeah well I got good pop off the chest mm-hmm. and uh, my my last nationals uh, we we're down in Louisiana and I actually weighed in almost 10 pounds less than what I uh, I normally held at mm-hmm. but I couldn't get my shirt on mm-hmm. and I almost bombed out of the meat because I couldn't get it on what I didn't take into effect was the sodium and water from after weigh-ins because USAPL is two hour weigh-ins yep. and uh the humidity down there oh for sure didn't take it into account we yeah. couldn't get the shirt on yeah. and then my very last lift right before my training partner was finally able to get the shirt to seat correctly and then you know I was able to hit yeah. the lift yeah. but I only hit my opener yeah um you know to me multiply it's a different beast it's a, it's There's a different so sport. many other factors that get yeah. in the way yeah, it's a completely different sport. Yeah, like, like, you're not just going to throw on a shirt and be able to do it. Like, I still got guys. I'm just like, come on, dude. Like, I taught myself this shit. Like, yeah. You know, like, I'm just telling you what to do, and you still can't do it three years later. Like, it, it's not easy. It's hard, yeah. it, especially benching. Like, I, I do feel like if anything were to go away, mm-hmm. it should be the bench shirt. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't – there's nothing about it that I like. Um, mm-hmm. But is there any way to quantify – for raw uh, yeah. powerlifters? Yeah, I mean, me, I'm a longer, leaner type of powerlifter. You know, I basically have a, suck, a sucky build for the sport, like overall, to be like a top of the elite, but I did well. Um, I knew, like, if I get a, a shirt that fit, I'm only getting like a buck fifty out of this thing just because of like my leverages, you know? Um, so a buck fifty puts you what, like 700 pounds? So, like, yeah, my best comp bench is, was 675. And I was around a 45 raw bench at that time, legit, like training. Okay. You know, um, so that that was that. But I know when I squat a thousand five, I also hit an 805 raw prior prior to that, like just to see because you know I was like that back then. Yeah. You know, I did the same thing. But the the only gripe I have with that comparison mm-hmm. is when when you train for years and mm-hmm. you have a meet coming up you never train to be raw, mm-hmm. right? So you spent a lot of time in your gear, training your gear. So like you never even gave yourself mm-hmm. that, you know, if you were a raw lifter, mm-hmm. you would have only trained raw. So obviously yeah. you would, maybe that 805 would have been an 850. Yeah, you never know. But I think the way I train, I only, like I said, I only put the gear on on that, on that fourth week. Um, I'm raw all the way up to that. I, I'm doing all raw, raw lifting besides my briefs. Like I like to use a light uh, a looser brief to train in it's just safer to do and I do it for my raw lifters I promote it for raw lifters because last thing you want to do is get hip things and hip bang ups and then taking the briefs you're going to get a little overload so you're you're systematically your body's going to start reacting a hell of a lot better to your raw lifts like I just had a guy squat uh at the 220s like uh mid sevens at a, at a meet that he just did out in Indiana or something and like that was during COVID, okay? Like, so the, that was pretty solid what he did. I was pretty proud of him. Is it 750 squat raw? Or yeah. Is that, yeah. That's huge. I think, yeah, that's huge at 220. Yeah, you, you don't know? see and that. It's, and it's because I does the programming the way I do, and he wasn't beat mm-hmm. up, and, uh, he, you know, he had some brief training in there. Um, I think, I think yeah, I, th- I think people – get it mixed up and they think I'm in in my suit every time. No, man, that's, that's ego lifting. Like I'm training for my well being, my health first. Yeah. And then that week, that week four is just fun. That's when the sport comes in and that's, that's all it is. I get to, I give myself like a comp week. I call it like an ME week. So I get, I throw on my deadlift suit that week. I throw on my bench shirt. I throw on my squat suit. And at the end of the week, I give myself a total. And uh, as long as I keep totaling over 2,200 in the variations that I do, I feel like I'm still being accomplished as crippled as I am. And so that's kind of that's kind of how I look at it. Yeah, I think the, the hard part about underst- understanding geared lifting is you don't know how difficult and how different 
benching in a shirt is until you do it mm-hmm. right so you can say like oh that guy looks like a zombie walking around with his arms stuck out you know that that's stupid there's no point in doing that uh, yeah i mean but there's also no point in throwing a football and catching it yeah right look, it's look, just part of the game well that's that's the problem uh, people's uh these constructs that we put and build in society are just totally wrong and negative uh to talk down about something you really don't know about yeah you know they just you know it's just it's like try try it out for yourself you might like it you know and if that's if that's not for you that's fine but you don't have to dog anyone else out for doing it i mean it's they're doing it because it's it's giving them a another factor that they're missing in their life is here's something that they can try to accomplish so why get in the way of that yeah after i got done competing in 2012 um i had to take six months off from training because my hips were so shot. Mm-hmm. I mean, I could I could barely walk, and I was living out in California, uh, so I didn't have a car, so I had to walk everywhere I went, you know, oh. groceries and everything, and it was yeah, miserable. No, like yeah. I was in pain, and uh, you know, and that's another thing. Like I don't I don't think people understand the benefit of lifting in briefs, right? Mm-hmm. Because they go, oh, I'm not going to my LA Fitness and you know getting changed in the locker room and putting briefs on. Yeah, you you know, I wouldn't do that either. Yeah. you know, that's probably time to find a different right. gym. Um, but you don't understand how beneficial they can be until until you hurt yourself. Oh, for sure. For sure. You know, um, if I sumo deadlift, I definitely put my briefs on because given my health condition and not knowing it my whole life, as I, as I look back, I, I look at my, my track career, I'll kill it all week. And what was I eating? Chicken and rice. Like I go to the meat and go to Duke university, you stay in a hotel. Like what do they got? All this gluten shit. Yeah. And so I'm like eating out, I'm like dizzy and I can't see. I'm like getting on the track, I'm like, man, I'm so sick. I'm like, I'm like sick, literally sick. And then I perform half-assed, like, like slower than in practice. Like, like what happened, man? Like, you think they would test us for that at like an earlier age? See, that's what happened. Like back then in those days, like in the nineties and the early two thousands there, like that gluten wasn't, it wasn't like a thing. And like, and I was even guilty. Like, Oh, this is crap. I mean, come on, man. Like, but you really don't know. You can't wait for some doctor to tell you. If everyone just stays proactive on the blood work, go get the genetic testing with, with uh, 23andMe or something, that's easy stuff. You're going to have all the answers you need that you can work on so you can live a better life. Yeah. yeah. Did Kepco do your gen- uh, genetic testing? I just did a 23andMe. Okay. But I, I do the blood work with him. And um, So when he does my bloods, he does genetic testing as well. Oh, yeah. Oh, there's, okay. gene- yeah, there's genetic testing in there. Yeah. But I found out the celiac gig from the 23andMe in uh, hemochromatosis too. Yeah, which is high iron. So it was interesting when uh, when I got my blood work done with him. I started when I was 24. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, he found that I was factor five Leibn, and I didn't. I had no idea what that meant. And even after he explained it to me, I didn't really understand. And over time, uh, he started to explain it more. And one thing that that kills the men in my family are blood clots. Sure. And factor five Leibn is clotting of the blood. Yeah. And uh, you know, so it's just. You know, if I can live an extra couple years, yeah, just because, give some blood because that well, giving blood You're and life. Uh, yeah, and yeah. and taking it in aspirin, right? Yeah. If I can live a couple years longer for doing that, just yeah. because I got some blood work done, it yep. just makes sense. Yeah, it's it's so easy to to ignore all these little things that people are are stuck focused on other things, and they think that there's some magic difficult route to find this thing, but the answers are probably really simple, you know. Look, look at it. Look at the blood work. What do you do? You take niacin. Okay, your HDL is a little low. It should be higher. Take some niacin. Okay, boom, do it. Go get your blood work again. Oh, wow, look, it changed. You know, you don't need this big pharma repertoire in your arsenal. Yeah. You know, like uh, you you really, you know, especially to do well in sports, you you really should get all those factors in line so that you can do it, do it long term. I wish for me it happened sooner, but all I could do now is teach people about my lesson I learned and help them before it's too late, you know? And that's what I do. That's my job. <laughs> and like the, the health, the inside of your body isn't sexy, right? So like it, it doesn't, you don't think it relates yeah. to building traps and oh. a big chest and big back. Uh, but every time I look good or I per, I'm performing well, it just so happens that my health is at, you know, at its peak. You know, so if you, I think if you follow your health and, uh, you know, let everything come to, you know, probably be, you know, advancing the way, essentially the other things that you want to get better. Oh, for sure. Like if you, let's say if so-and-so wasn't an alcoholic, yeah, dude, that dude would probably deadlift a thousand pounds, you know? Maybe, maybe it numbs him a little bit. You know what I mean? But, (laughs) but, But like, it's like, there's so many little factors that people are being ignorant to, 
you know you really should focus on your overall well-being find find all those answers like work on your relationships work on being honest with people work on all these all these little things will ultimately help your sport that's just the end result in your sport is is literally um is a is a view on you and in your life and how your life is like you look at michael jordan when he was in his 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 prime and his peak like all the little factors that he did to get there how how was he was doing good in his relationships this and that he stayed you away know, from everybody stayed else away from the cocaine you know like yeah he I had just, his I own just, room nobody yeah. partied with him yeah yeah that's it no distractions mm-hmm. um you know one other thing that i feel like you've had a lot of variation with his diet Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I remember way back we were car backloading, mm-hmm. you know, we, we had the Ed Kiefer book and, and yeah. we were doing that. Uh, and that was again, like 2009, 10 era. Mm-hmm. Um, I know you did deep water. I know you did San Efferding's vertical diet for a little bit. Mm-hmm. Uh, I obviously, you know, now you know that you have some issues with food, but you always did it as like a group. Like I know you and smash did a lot of uh, diets. I know you and Evan did them a lot together. Yeah. Cause, uh, it, cause it's fun. And, and that's how you teach people. Like, if you, I'm not going to tell someone to do something I didn't do or try or didn't think I was that think that was a good idea. Yeah. So like I did all these things and you know, it's like training. Like even though all these diets are like a little bit different, I see how they relate. They really relate too. you know, it's almost like, uh, like you look at like, Oh, the classical conjugate system. And then you look at five, three, one and all these uh, cubes and all these other things. Like, you know, what? they're all derivatives from each other. Like, you, you can see that training was developed through they've used to do this type of training, but they found out this, this was better for them and where they're at in their life. Yeah. You know, and that's the same thing with the, with the diet. Like people need to see it as, uh, as where am I at in my life and what, 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 what am I trying to accomplish here? Which one of these diets is going to work for, for my goals and be honest with yourself. Don't just do it because so-and-so is doing it. Like you got to look at it and say, all right, I'm going to try this because I really think it's going to help me gain 50 pounds of muscle. So maybe yeah. a ketogenic diet wouldn't be ideal for that person if they're trying to gain 50 pounds. Sure. <laughs> yeah. Sure. A little I mean, restrictive. Right, right. But again, I'm going to say it again, it comes back to that blood work and that genetic testing. Because if I had that er- earlier on, I wouldn't have had the problems I had. Because even when I was up to 280 pounds, I mean, I would go out. People, they wanted me at over 300 because I'm 6'2". And I'm just like, dude, like, I don't understand. I'm eating two, three entrees a meal, man. You know, but like if they had gluten in it, I didn't realize that I'm blowing up the toilet. So you know? uh, a lot of people don't understand um, why people would want you at 300 pounds. Can yeah. you explain that? Why people would want me at 300? Yeah. Well, I feel like people that have been a sport like Louie, like all, all those people, they kind of have an idea of what your frame's going to tolerate based on how tall you are. You know, uh, Hoff's an anomaly, though. He's you know that he's just in a league of his own. But but he's filled out for his frame. Sure, he's yeah, filled there's out. There's yeah, nothing left sure. to yeah, put on that frame. No, he can't put nothing <laughs> left on there, man. <laughs> so yeah, I mean, optimally, if if I was to compete with Hoff, I I would probably have to be 400 pounds like Donnie was. Yeah. So Donnie was in that in that league with him. Um, but it's it's for power purposes but it's for leverages as well right yeah for your leverages like i mean to put that amount of weight on your back you have to be you'd think you'd have to be a 400 pound man but because hoff is so compact he can only he can do it at 300 pounds dude so you're not beating him okay look at that gloss brenner formula i'm glad they introduced gloss brenner formula because it doesn't allow i mean it's cool to see some guy squat 1200 pounds you know that's even though they're 500 pounds I enjoy it, yeah. but ultimately, you know, the gloss burner formula puts you at um, a competitive area that everyone gets to compete with each other. And at the end of the day, you're like, oh damn, that little 109 year old girl won today. Yeah. Wow, <laughs> but dude, she benched 370. Yeah. She's 109 pounds. She benched 370 pounds. Man, that's healthy. You know, like yeah. wow. Yeah, it's impressive. Yeah. And it, it's that's a good point. It does put everybody on a on a level playing field, mm-hmm. and uh, it also lets you. You know, when I used to compete, when the women would compete, nobody was in the stands. Mm-hmm. Nobody even watched it. It was dead silent. Nobody cared. Mm-hmm. But if the women are now kind of competing against the men because of that formula, yeah. it probably makes it a lot more involved. For, for sure. It, it looks great. And, it, and it's also a good voice for women, you know, to give them uh, an opportunity to show what they can do. Because 
I'll tell you what, the women at my gym, man, uh, as people, you know, the stuff they go through in their life and it, to be where they're at is very impressive. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Like I, I mean, I got two two women that have done the WPO and I have others that are definitely capable capable of w, doing the WPO. I, I, uh, I uh, talked to Shauna maybe once a year, Mendelssohn, mm-hmm. yeah. and, uh, you know, she's still, to me, like one of my favorite powerlifters. Oh, yeah. Yeah, Shauna's awesome. great, man. She's, and she's just a great person, too. She always looks to she's tough as hell you know her mouth dude no no zipper but she she literally is a good heart man like she she tries to do really good in this world with with people like you know inviting them over to her circle there you know come up to my gym come hang out like you know it's it's a it's a great thing like i've gone to her meets and i've brought some of my bars that she could use she always comes down and helps me at my meets those guys are great dude without them i'd be lost because I, I don't do any of the the technical aspects of running running the meets you know but but her and donnie like they're anomalies they've both competed in bodybuilding mm-hmm. uh shauna competes in like other performance stuff yeah uh you know they're just freak athletes that just so happen to fall into powerlifting yeah yeah and they're interested in life you yeah. know what i mean they want to do stuff in their life they don't want to just sit on the couch yeah you know all right, so you don't have social media anymore. Yeah. But if people wanted to, to find you to come train with you guys, uh, what's the easiest way to do that? Well, I have a website. It's um, I don't even know what it's called. <laughs> I think it's called www.viptrainingpro.com. Is that what it is? Yeah. Okay. So it's a, it's funny. Like I don't really put myself out there like a, a lot of places do because for me it's not a business. For me it's a community, and it's like a family for me, you know. So I, I don't do the advertising. I'm not on social media. And the reason being is because I don't want to take away from my family. You know, I, I really put the effort in those people because they, they helped me in my overall well-being. And it, it took a long time to wake up to that and understand that, like, dude, this is what your life is. This is what it's about. You're supposed to help others, and, and they're going to help you in return. Yeah. Uh, you know, so that, that's, that's it. And so, people, people will find you. They'll seek the, you out. Yeah, they'll seek me out, but it's hard to get in. And I'm not, I'm not like that on purpose, but I don't want to affect the community. If I feel like you're not going to be genuine in your approach and, and understand how this is or see how this is going to be here, then, I, then I, I'm, I'm apprehensive and say, look, you might want to try this place. Because yeah. my gym's great. Everyone helps each other. Like if someone comes in, they're not going to make anyone feel bad. Like the, the, the biggest problem people have is like they feel intimidated. Like, there's no reason to feel intimidated. Like everyone's there for the same purpose. Everyone's helpful to each other. I mean, I have a 67 year old grandma that deadlifts 315 pounds, you know what I mean? And she's a piano teacher, you know? So, <laughs> so it's like, it's like we've, we've put these uh, labels on people and these constructs to believe that like, this is a certain way that we need to let go of that. We need to free ourselves and free our mentality to, to a better place so that we all can enjoy life better and build better communities. I remember when I was trying to uh, to train at your gym in between uh, semesters, I called you like two or three times and, uh, you know, there was no response. And then I finally <laughs> called you and left a message and I say, you know, I, I train kind of like Westside Barbell. And I left that message and you call me back and you're like, yeah, so uh, you, you understand conjugate? And I'm like, yeah, kind of. you're like, all right, you, you can come train with us for a little yeah, bit. <laughs> yeah, dude, yeah, yeah, that's funny because I don't want people messing my stuff up. Dude. Yeah. Like I'm, I'm super particular about bands and chains and, and where the plates are faced and everything like that. So, and that, that means so much to me. That organization is literally the first part of success. Like, and if, if anything is out of order in my house, I, I, I'm, it's bringing me down and, and it's bringing everybody else down. Yeah. Yeah. No, for sure. Yeah. All right, guys. Thanks for tuning in. Uh, go check out Brian's gym if you're in the area. If you have any interest in powerlifting, I'm sure he'll give you a tour.